0: Hello everyone. And welcome to episode number 17 of the Building Strength podcast with your boy Theo Lim. So this week we've got a big Q&A going. I haven't done these haven't w- done one of these in a while, but I should do more. So here we go. I basically pulled questions off of my clients who asked me certain questions, or any of my friends who asked me any questions, and basically this was throughout the last couple days. But, first of all, just sip some of that coffee. So good. First of all, today's episode is sponsored by, get ready for it. The first sponsor on this podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by the Loving Kindness Meditation. So let's just take 20 seconds. Think about two people in your life. Family, friends, business partners, anyone. Think of two people in your life and just in your head. Just wish them, wish happiness for them. So I wish happiness for X and I wish happiness for Y. Everyone good? Feels good, doesn't it? So the loving kindness meditation, our sponsor. Alright, let's jump into it. So, we have a Q&A this week. Question number one. How do you help someone start out at the gym and help them understand that the basics are important? My girlfriend wants to follow routines from Instagram profiles that she follows, but I think that they might be too advanced for her. She doesn't know how to stay tight and control her body that well yet. Any tips? Alright. So this is a really good question. It's definitely something that I've struggled with in the past with my current my current girlfriend and just people in my life in general. Um, it's always hard to get beginners started and started in the right way. Honestly, I don't have a great answer for this. Um, it's really, really hard, especially when you're that person's partner. It's almost like because you're their partner, they they don't want to listen to you. Even if, even for me, I'm like, so I do this for a living. I'm a trainer. I'm a coach, and. Even if I were to tell my girlfriend something, she might not be that receptive to it. But if she reads the same information elsewhere or someone else tells her the same information, she'll be like, Guess what? This person told me. And you're just sitting there like, I've been saying this, right? So, anyway, how do you get someone to understand that the basics are important? It's really hard. I think. Learning which examples to use and what kind of just how to explain it better to them, like you have to start by building a foundation if you want to be in this for the long run. So building a foundation is key as in learning how to move in fundamental movement patterns. So learning how to squat with your own body weight before you get under a bar. Or before you start doing box jumps or squat jumps or you know fancy and flashy Instagram fitspo exercises so you have to learn how to do the fundamental moves first so you have to learn how to squat with your own body weight you have to learn how to hinge with your own body weight so like deadlift variations and again there are many different progressions before someone actually touches a barbell. And then they have to learn how to do some upper body pulling, some upper body pushing movements. And it's just about building that base, taking that first couple weeks, first couple months to really build that base, that base of strength, stability, technique, and then building upon that. But as I said, it's a lot easier For me to explain it versus someone to actually have the patience and understanding to do it because that's a common thing with beginners like there's so much info out there like it's not even their fault because there's so much information out there now like their friends are doing these exercises this person's telling them to do this exercise this magazine is telling them something else um the tv show is telling them something else The internet, um, like this Instagram person's telling them something, this Instagram person's telling them something else. So there's a lot of information, like a lot of information overload. It's great, but it's bad at the same time. Um, So I think just, if you're just starting out, or you know someone who's just starting out, try to just point them into the right direction either linking them if you think they'll be receptive to articles or ebooks or just referring them to say a trainer or a coach that lives around them that you think they might click with or even the biggest one is really just leading by example so i think in this this um. The person who asked this question they go to the gym together he goes with his girlfriend and he does his routine and this is someone that I trained in the past so he has a very like again we've built a foundation and I think his girlfriend goes and does her own thing and one major tip is just like I know you want to help them but and I know you've tried multiple times So at that point, it's very stressful for both of you, really, very stressful and very energy and time consuming. So at a certain point, you kind of just have to let them do their own thing. But the biggest thing you can do, the biggest thing all of us can do is lead by example. Um, I heard this recently in someone else's podcast, and I really enjoyed it. There's only one way to lead, and that's leading by example. And eventually, the person or other people will come around. It's like that other saying, um, you know, when you first start out and you know you're doing the right thing, people might look at you and laugh at you, wonder why you're doing those things. But if you just continue to do those things correctly and you stick with it and you show results, then those same people will end up asking like, oh, how did you do that? How did you get there? So, as I said, as I preface this, I don't have a great answer. Um, I always, I have a next question here that's going to be, that's going to relate to this. I think anytime you're dealing with a partner, your girlfriend, your wife, um, your spouse, it's always so hard to get through through to them. It's like, it's really, it's a tough dynamic because of that relationship you have with them. So if any of you guys out there have had success with like getting your partner to start exercising or to start eating well, I would greatly appreciate hearing from you. So shoot me a message on Instagram. Um, let me know like your personal experience with getting your partner into fitness, into um. Managing their own health So that was question number one Thank you for asking that that's a great question question number two Very similar. I want my partner to eat and train like me He's pretty resistant to it though. What can I do? As I said, it's so tough with your partners Um, it's just I think there's like a level of criticism involved in which, like, they think you're criticizing them for not doing these things. And most of us have, like, good intentions. Like, when I tell my girlfriend, like, I I know you would feel better, like, physically, but also mentally, emotionally, if you exercise. Um... and it's it's always coming from good intentions but there's a certain point like I've been there where you're almost like nagging them about it like always nagging them and I don't know it's so tough to get them it's so tough to get them into it I personally don't even bother like the way I approach it now with friends with family is that I'll if they ask for help I'll tr- I'll help them. I'll give them like a couple actionable things that they can do. And I'll, you know, legitimately try to help them. But here's a kicker. If I've tried once or twice or three times, after that, I won't try anymore. Um, I think it's very stressful. As I said earlier, very stressful, very energy consuming, very time consuming to try to get other people to do to do something so my general tip for that is okay try 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 as hard as you can be very nice about it be very like consider a bit considerate about it but at a certain point if you're not getting through them save your energy save your time for yourself and again just lead by example like it's Fitness, health, it's one of those things that always takes a backseat in people's lives, right? And they only ever get into it when it's truly necessary. Like they reach a certain breaking point, whether their health is in jeopardy or whether they just feel like complete trash physically and mentally. And I think it's only then that people take action so it's unfortunate it really is but from being in this industry for many years now it's it's like try the hardest try your hardest do your best but at a certain point you're not gonna get through to them so just save your energy save that stress so again If you guys out there have had success, please, please, please share with us, share it with me and I'll share it with everyone else. Like I I always wonder when I see couples who they both um, exercise, they're both into health and fitness and I'm always wondering like, did you meet them and you were already both into it or was one person into it and they were able somehow to get the other person into it? Like, I always wonder how that happens. So if you guys out there, you guys train or share this lifestyle with your partner, please share. I really, really, really want to know. I personally haven't had much, I guess, success in this realm, like getting my partner to be as into it as I am. But again, as I said, that's okay. Like some people are just going to, they're just going to do it in their own time. right question number three quick coffee sip one second and let me do a quick breath check you guys breathing breathing through the nose okay so I had a question about a water cut so this person has a fight in four weeks and they need to lose 10 pounds My, I feel like a lot of people don't plan this as well as they should be. Like, if you're four weeks away, and this is a bit different because this isn't just one single event. I think he's doing a Muay Thai tournament, so it's like multiple days where if he... Wins his first fight and he has a second fight the next day. He still has to be. He he has to weigh in again for that second fight. And if he wins again he'll have to weigh in again for the third and fourth and fifth fight. So this is actually like super difficult. um, Because it's different if you just need to cut for one event right. Excuse me guys. If you guys need to. If you just need to cut for one event. It's a different story. Like you and say there's a 24 hour weigh in. You can easily cut 10 pounds of water in a week or less. So if that's the case, if you just have one event, first of all, you should be planning 8 to 12 weeks ahead, trying to get as close to that weight as you can, or as close to the weight that you need to cut water from. So say you're 10 pounds away from your weight. You should be planning 8 to 12 weeks ahead to try to get to, say, within 5 pounds of your weight. And that's doable. That's perfectly doable. Um, Just with attention to your diet and cleaning things up, I don't see much of a reason why someone shouldn't be able to do that. So first of all, get as close to the weight as you can. And then if you need to, cut the water. And if it's a 24 hour weigh in, a severe water cut is pretty doable. It's a different story if it's a two-hour weigh-in. Because if it's a two-hour weigh-in, you're not going to have the time to replenish your body after the weigh-in as much as you would if there was a 24-hour weigh-in. So so this person's got multiple days where he needs to weigh-in at that weight, which is extremely difficult. I, I've actually never heard of this until now. So if that's the case, you need to be at that weight. Like you can't rely on a water cut because you can't water cut 10 pounds and continue to stay that depleted for multiple days while you're trying to perform optimally. So with water cuts and cuts in general, you need to be planning much more in advance. Like you can't have four weeks coming up and Oh shit, um, what should I do here? No, you already, you already fucked up. You need to be 10 to 12 weeks out, possibly more, depending on how much you need to cut. And that needs to be planned well in advance. Because there's so much stress involved in a competition. You, it's not ideal to add more stress by trying to cut last minute, being depleted. That's a very stressful environment. And if you're entering the competition in such a stressful environment, there's no way you're going to perform as well as you could be. So my general advice is either consult people who have had this experience before, get someone else to handle your cutting, your training program, everything. I don't think that's a set rule, but I always, I believe in having a coach, having someone that can handle these things for you, again, just to take the stress off of this, because you have enough to think about, you have to perform, you have to go into that ring, um, defend yourself, and try to win, and that's already such a stressful thing to do, like, why would you why wouldn't you try to take away as much stress as you could all right i've got a string of questions from a newer client i have and he just started training with some of my other guys who he knows so he's he comes i think from a bit of a powerlifting background so he's wondering why i don't do much barbell benching in my programs and it's because I do a lot of dumbbell benching. I do dumbbell incline, dumbbell flat, dumbbell shoulder presses. Um, a lot of body weight movements like push-ups and dips are one of my main upper body push exercises. So he's wondering how come I don't do much barbell bench. Honestly, it's mostly because it takes up so much time. As in... If someone's fairly strong, the barbell bench is going to require anywhere from two to five warm-up sets, maybe two to four warm-up sets. With dumbbell benching, you can get away with one or two warm-up sets. So from a timing standpoint and from from a bang for buck standpoint for my clients, we're going to get just the same amount of training effect by pushing... Heavy dips, heavy push-ups, heavy dumbbell benching. And for his follow-up question, he asked really good questions, which I always appreciate. Um, Never be afraid to ask questions. I always appreciate when people ask me very direct questions, and it challenges you. Like you, you get put on the spot, and it's a challenge. You need to explain. You need to be able to explain why you're doing certain things. So his follow-up question is, well, aren't dumbbell benching, dips, push-ups, aren't these just accessory movements? I think that's a really big downfall or negative of people who come from powerlifting backgrounds. And I come from a powerlifting background. So I've been there. I've thought this way as well before. Because in powerlifting, you compete with the barbell bench. So the barbell bench, the barbell flat bench is the main movement. So everything, every other pushing movement is considered an accessory movement that will help you with your barbell bench. What I said is, what I told them is, look, we're going to do dumbbell bench. And if you really want to do barbell bench, if someone, I'm not against it. And I don't, I don't completely leave it out of my program. All of my guys know how to barbell bench because I taught them and we ran, we did like a four week block with barbell bench. Just so they can, just so they know how to do it, they're confident about it, and they don't fuck themselves up is the real thing. So I'm definitely not against barbell benching. I'm just explaining why when I'm in a time constraint 60 minutes with a client why I think they're going to get the same effect if not more from doing dips push-ups dumbbell and dumbbell work so back to the main point no dumbbell benching and dips are not you they're not just accessory movements like if you get strong you can use dips as your main pushing movement you don't have to barbell bench. You can use a barbell incline bench as your main movement. You can use um, dumbbell benching. You can use push-ups as your main pressing movement. The barbell bench is not the be-all, end-all. It is if you're competing in powerlifting, but most of my people are general population. So think about it, if you get stronger on the dumbbell bench. Say you put 10 pounds on your dumbbell bench, or 15 pounds, and you go back to doing barbell bench, you're gonna be stronger. Same with if you get stronger on dips, or if you can do push-ups, if you started doing push-ups with one chain, and now you're doing it with three chains around your back, you got stronger. Then you go back to barbell bench, that strength is gonna transfer over. So that's main reasons why I don't do barbell bench that much for my clients is that it's usually a time factor. If we can do one, say most of my clients, um, none of them like really not none of them, most of them don't really bet dumbbell bench over say 70 or 80 pounds. And if that's the case, say they're working with 70 pounds. They can do one warm-up set with 45s or 50s. And then we're right into the working sets. With the barbell bench, I'm going to get them to warm up with the bar. And then we might do two, three more jumps before they're at their actual working sets. And in terms of getting a training effect, in terms of stimulating your muscles enough that they'll be forced to adapt and eventually grow, we can still get a training effect from doing dips, and we can still get a good training effect from doing dumbbell benching. So that was a great question. I really appreciated that question. I have a same I have two more from the same guy. He asked such good questions. I he got me. He he got me, he put me on the spot, and I think sometimes I don't answer that well on the spot, and sometimes I do. I think I did a fairly okay job this time. It's just about practice, right? So he asked me regarding his friend. It seems like you're holding him back in weight. How will he get stronger if you're holding him back? So he was referring to another guy that I've been training for about... It's closing in on four months now. And this guy has gotten fucking jacked. And fucking strong in the last four months. This guy's an absolute savage. He does like elevated. So his his feet are elevated on a bench. And he does ring pushups. And the guy can bang like 40. 40 of these guys. With weight on his back. Anyway. So I think he's referring to like his main lifts. Where we were doing. His main lifts right now are trap bar deadlifts. And front squats. So... Yes, it's true, I I hold most of my clients back for a couple of reasons. Reason number one being, it comes back to what I was talking about last week, auto-regulation. As in, most of these people have other things going on in their lives. In this guy's case, he's... um, So these guys are all um, Muay Thai fighters. And this guy trains other people as well so he's holding pads for other people throughout the week training clients um, and then getting in his own fight training so he only trains with me twice a week we just do strength training and a bit of conditioning so generally when i base what i do with people's weights so we take i take their estimated one rep max and then I use ninety percent of that number. So that becomes our training max. And then I base off base off base the percentages off of this training max. So basically, if a program calls for 80% of his one rep max, where you we're usually never actually doing 80% of his max, we're doing 80% of his 90%. Of his max if that makes sense what we're doing here is that yes we're gonna he's not gonna be lifting as heavy weights but he's still gonna be working and this is just going to ensure that on any given day he's gonna hit his reps because as the saying goes you don't get strong by missing reps you get strong by hitting your reps so I just want to give this slight buffer because he might, he might have trained four people last night and he did his own training and he ran this morning so he has other things going on in his life lifting weights should just help with everything else he's doing it should never take away from the other things he's doing so that's why I kind of hold back in the weights I mean don't get me wrong he's not going light at all He's going heavy. We're just doing more volume. Um, he's just doing more sets. He's doing more reps. And he's just building strength. Like if I. If I look back on his numbers. From four months ago. To his numbers now. There's no doubt that he got stronger. If you look at his physique now. And his performance now. Versus four months ago. Huge difference. So. In terms of holding clients back, I think as a coach, it's important to... Obviously, you want to get them better, but you never want to hurt them. Like, if... There's another saying like, the success of a coach, don't look at their results, look at their injury rate. Have have a lot of their clients gotten injured? That's going to tell you something about that coach... Um, and their programming, and how they approach the training, right? So, and and as I said, as I told them, um, so this particular person trains pretty much every day, whether that's running, whether that's um, skill work, pad work, and then now there's strength training, like he's not like me or this other person that was asking the question where we generally just lift weights. If you just lift weights, yeah, you can pretty much go ham and like not have to worry too much about recovery. You just have to recover from lifting weights. But if you lift weights and if you run and if you do rock climbing and if you do um, Muay Thai as well, you have to recover from all of that. So always playing it safe Playing it safe. Not missing reps. That's always going to make. That's always going to result in progress. So then he asks. How will I get stronger if we don't touch heavier weights? So again. This is coming from the powerlifting background. Where. One rep max. Two rep max. Three rep max. This is what's considered. Heavy weights. But. We are doing heavy weights. We are. this guy's lifting heavy as fuck. Every single day. He's just lifting heavy in the. Say six to eight rep range. Or he's lifting heavy in the. Eight to ten rep range. Like it's still heavy. It's just. Not heavy enough that. His form's going to break down. And again these guys are. Although they're highly conditioned. And they're very in shape. Their training Age. For strength training is fairly low. Like up until four months ago, these guys have never taken on an actual strength training program. So they're still very much in the beginner phase in terms of learning technique. Because when you start learning technique, there's so much to think about, right? I think just now they're getting into a place where they don't have to think about They just don't have to think about like tightening up the lats, bracing the core, corkscrewing the feet. These things are becoming a bit more natural, but at the same time, they're still working on it. And there's a lot of work to be done in that department. And this goes back to like, this is why I tend to stray away from heavy twos, heavy threes because of their training age. They're not in a place yet where I'm comfortable um, getting them under the bar and hitting like a two rep, very heavy two reps. We might hit two reps, but I know for sure there's one left in the tank or there's two left in the tank because we're not in a place where I think they're able to say the weight gets really heavy and form could break down at that weight. I don't think they're at a point yet where there's enough awareness and enough... Yeah, enough awareness to be like, Oh shit, this is going to be really heavy. I need to brace really hard for this. And then still execute it to the best of their ability. I think um, there's a certain amount of reps that needs to be done before you're really comfortable with a certain movement, right? So I just don't think they're there yet. Which is not to say they're not getting strong because this guy's strong as fuck. As I've said, this guy is an absolute beast. So you don't necessarily have to touch. Another thing I told this I know another thing I told him is that you know, when we're doing one or two reps, you're really just testing your strength. And what I'm doing in terms of getting the most bang for their buck We're just going to build strength week in and week out. Just build, 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 build. And anytime you want to test, you're going to be strong as fuck. Right? So like say this goes back to auto regulation. Say one of my guys is feeling really trash that day. That's fine. Let's hit the reps because we're not going to, we know we're not going to miss any reps here, hit the reps and we'll move on. Great work on getting in here. You showed up, you put in the work. And then we'll get the hell out. Save it for next time. But if they feel really good that day, shit, okay. Well, we only had 315 planned for today. But you look good. Technique looks good. You're saying you feel good. Let's go up 365 today. Oh, shit, you've never actually touched this. But that looked good. Let's go up again, 385. Okay, you want to touch four plates today? Because if you do, today's the day to do it. I always talk about like taking advantage of the days where they feel really, really good. So for example, yesterday, I have one of my clients, one of my good friends, he's doing deadlifts. He's doing volume deadlifts right now. So the last three weeks looked like this. He did 185 for three sets of 10. And then the week after he did four sets of 10. And the week after that, he did five sets of 10. That brings us to this week. So what I wanted to do, we bumped up the weight to 195, so a 10 pound increase, but I brought the sets back down. I brought it back down to three sets of 10. So that was what was on paper. As he's doing the warm up sets, as he's doing his working sets, the bar is flying. He's completely crushing the weights. So I'm like, okay, you did 195 on the first set. Let's try 210 on the second set. Still flying. Keep in mind, for the three weeks prior to this, he had not touched anything over 185. So now he's doing 210 for the same reps. Set looked good. Okay, fuck it. Let's go 225 today. Last set of 10. He crushes it. Absolutely crushes it. He could have done three sets of 10 that day with 225. But just because he did 225 for one set of 10 that day doesn't mean that I'm going to bump him up to three sets at 225 next week. That was just a good day. And we took advantage of that good day. That's fine. He might have a really shitty day the next time though. You never know. That's why you have to program accordingly. So. Last question right here. I won't be able to train for two weeks. I got a tattoo. Um, And I guess you don't want to sweat as much when you get a new tattoo. So I can't train for two weeks. Will I lose all of my gains? I laughed. I laughed so much at this. Um, No. Well, it depends. The answer is always, it depends. But anyway, I told her no. Like... It depends. Oh, shit. Sorry, guys. So it depends. It always depends. For this person, I knew she had just started working out a couple weeks ago. Well, it's probably going to affect you, but what can you really do about it, right? I mean, like, keep moving. Do as much as you can. But obviously, don't fuck up your tattoo. Do as much as you can. You'll be fine. It always comes back to how big of a base have you built. So I gave her an example. For example, if I personally have 300 weeks of training piled up week in, week out for years, right? Say I have 300 weeks of training piled up. What's two weeks going to do to me? Uh, Yeah, I might feel it. I might feel kind of bad. might feel out of shape for two weeks. But you're just going to get right back into it. You have 300 weeks behind you. Two weeks is nothing. But if you only have seven weeks of training in you, yeah, two weeks might affect you. If you only have four weeks of training under you, yeah, two weeks is going to fuck you up. You're going to go back to where you were before you started training, which is fine. Just get back into it after, right? So that's why long-term consistency always wins you just want to pile on those weeks it's like a house every single workout is a brick every workout you lay another brick down next workout you lay another brick down and eventually every workout every week every month every year that's just going to pile up and as they say the person who can stay in the gym the longest not just with one workout i mean the person who doesn't get injured the person who doesn't stop the person who doesn't quit the person who doesn't give up the person who can stay in the gym the longest is the one who's going to make the most progress in the long run i'm going to leave it at that i hope this episode was helpful as always thank you guys for listening i really appreciate it if you haven't subscribed subscribe to the damn podcast if you're on itunes i really appreciate if you left a five-star review thank you guys so much have a great week wish for that happiness don't don't forget the loving kindness meditation guys until next week Peace.